You're listening to audio from New City Church in Champaign-Urbana, Illinois. We are a gospel-centered church with a heart for the next generation, passionate about making disciples who will renew our city in the real Jesus. For more information about New City, please visit our website at www.mynewcity.church. All right, my friends, let's open the book together. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 today is where we're going to spend our time. While you're turning there, I just want to remind you of what we're kind of doing right now in this series. So we are in the middle of a series that we are calling Nine Marks of a Healthy Church. Um, And there's a couple reasons you should care. Number one, if you are a follower of Jesus and you are, maybe you're even visiting this week and you're going, um, we're looking for a church. Um, We we would argue from scripture, I think, that you you really shouldn't be looking for a, a big church or a small church or a traditional church or a contemporary church or this or that. You should be looking for a healthy church where the gospel is in the center, where um, people can actually grow and experience life together, where you can um, find some connection, right? Some brothers and sisters, some people to link arms with and follow Jesus. And so um, healthy church matters, right? If you are a, if you are a Christian, um, the health of the church is actually your problem, whether you realize it or not. And then here's the other reason we should care. Um, if New City is your church, we are we're kind of turning this corner in our life together. So uh, for some context, we planted in 2019. There was about a year before that where we were raising support and visiting the city and building a team and all that stuff. And so for us, it's been about five, five years of work in planting this church. And we're going, okay, God, what does it look like for us to really begin to grow some depth in our roots? Because we, uh, something we say around here a lot is that we don't just want to grow in size, but we want to grow in health. Um, Now, we want to grow in size because we want more disciple makers saturating the city with the gospel. Um, That is absolutely true. But we don't just want to get bigger. We want to get healthier as we go. And so um, this series is our effort to ask Jesus in his word, what does that mean? What does health actually look like for us? And so um, today in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we come to discussing Mark number 5, which we call membership membership, right? Um, some, we all probably have a diverse relationship when we think about what church membership is or what it means to be a member. Um, in the first church I ever attended in my life, um, membership looked like at the end of the sermon, you would go up to the pastor and say, I, I want to be a member here. And the pastor would say, that's great. And then at the end, everybody would clap for you. And then that was literally it. Okay, so there was, no, there was no real meaningful belonging. It didn't mean much about um, membership. But then maybe others of you, your experience is nothing like that. And you've been a church member. I mean, it's been hard. Like you've gone through some stuff. And so my hope is that um, the scriptures today, that they bring you back to a fresh vision of what it means to belong to a people. There's another group of people in the room. You might, you might have even asked yourself, like, man, if I'm a Christian, do I really need to become a member of a church? Like, isn't that just a religious duty? Um, do I really need a piece of paper to tell me that I'm a follower of Jesus? And in one sense, I want you to know today, um, you're, you're partly right. You don't need a piece of paper to tell you that you're a follower of Jesus. Um, but you do need a people. You do need a people. 
Um, as Westerners, we are really good at individualizing and privatizing everything, right? Um, we, have, we have removed like learning something from another person or mentorship as a norm in our culture, and we have exported that responsibility to our friend YouTube, right? Um, where it's like, I wanna learn how to work out. Instead of going and asking somebody you know, what do you do? You get on YouTube and you go, how do I work out? You never had to leave your home, you never had to actually express to someone else, hey, I need you and I need help. Um, and so we, we do the same thing in our faith. I want you to hear me very clearly. Christianity is personal. It's so personal. You get to know Jesus. That's a, that's a beautiful gift of the gospel that you get to know him and walk with him. But, but hear me, the idea that your Christianity that's personal is private, that's foreign to the New Testament. Personal faith, yes. Private faith, no. The biblical picture of following Jesus is far more communal and connected. Did you see the interdependence described? I actually haven't even read the text yet, have I? No. I'm getting ahead of myself. This is going really good, you guys. It's going really good. Before I get too much further in, why don't we actually read what the Bible has to say? I've got the text in my head, but you don't have it in your head yet. So let's stand in reverence for the reading of God's word. I'll begin in verse 11, and we'll read through 27. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we are all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less of a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would, the sense of hear where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, or be we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. This is God's word. You can have a seat. Now, I want you to notice in this text that Paul is writing to a specific local church. He's writing to a specific place and a specific people. It's important that you know if you are a follower of Jesus, 
you are a member of the universal global church, whether you like it or not. Like you belong to him and you belong to his people. But notice Paul, when he's describing how we live this out, it is inevitably local and specific. Like we could look other places in the New Testament and say the, the Bible tells us to submit to our leaders. Who is that? Right? Um, does that mean I need to submit to every church leader that exists or all the church leaders in the city? Or does that mean that the leaders of Crazyville Baptist Church on the other side of the world have some sort of authority over me? Is that what it means? It, it can't mean that. These are local sort of commands. And what about for the pastors and the leaders? The New Testament would also say to guys like me that we're going to give an account for the souls that we've been called to oversee. Who is that for? Is that for every Christian in Champaign-Urbana? I don't know most of them. How can I give an account at judgment for them? These are inevitably local things. See, oftentimes when we start thinking about church membership, we really misunderstand the scope of what it is and what it means. So I think Jonathan Lehman actually helps us with this right here. He says, when he answers the question, what is church membership? He says two things. One, it's a declaration of citizenship in Christ's kingdom. Notice, it's not the citizenship itself, right? Church membership is not your salvation. You are not a Christian because you are a church member. But membership is a declaration. It's other people standing around you saying, man, I see the work of God's spirit in this person's life. This person wants to know, love, and follow Jesus, however good or bad they feel like they are at it. And there's fruit in their life, evidence that they belong to him. Have any of you ever traveled internationally before? Anybody? Uh, a few of us, at least in the room. Um, when you bring your passport to the always extremely pleasant TSA agent, right? You bring your passport to them, and when they look your name up, they are finding that you have all the rights and privileges of citizenship that come with your country of origin. Um, also, it's saying you have been, in a sense, deputized, freed by your people to travel internationally. And if you're a security threat or something, that's going to come up when they look up your passport. Um, the passport is not your citizenship, but it is an acknowledgement of the privileges of your citizenship. That's what church membership is like. But then he gives this other piece. He says that church membership is the church's affirmation and oversight and the Christian's submission to, um, to discipleship and care. So I want you to think on these two levels. As, as a we, as an us, as we are church members, we are affirming one another's salvation. We're saying, man, I see, I see Jesus in you, right? And I'm saying, I want you to help me follow Jesus. We're saying that um, to one another and to the leaders. We're saying, man, I, wanna, I, wanna, I want you to help me follow Jesus. That's what we're doing when we become a member. And then that's on sort of the we level, if you will. That's how we do it together. But then on the individual level, as a Christian, when you become a member, you are submitting yourself to discipleship and care. You're saying, I want to follow Jesus with these people. I want to get into the nitty gritty of life with them. And I want to experience care. My friend Josh, when I was meeting with him about church membership, this was several years ago, he said, I don't know why everybody wouldn't want to be a church member because it's literally saying, hey, I'm promising to be with you in the hardest moments of your life and you're promising to be with me in the hardest moments of your life. Why wouldn't we want that? It's a beautiful, beautiful expression. 
Here's why all this matters, okay? It matters because we have been designed by a creator God to belong. You've been designed to belong. I mean, think of, think of the most life-giving relationships that you've ever experienced. The loyalty, the closeness, the connection, the depth that's there. Gosh, when you experience that, it wakes something up inside of you. Goodness, this echoes all the way back to the book of Genesis in chapter 2, verse 18, where we see the first thing that God ever says in the creation that isn't good is what? For man to be alone. Now, he's talking about marriage there, but it's, it's far more than just about marriage. It is not good for us to be alone. Personal, yes. Private, no. Belonging is far more than a warm feeling toward other people. According to today's text, as we're going to unfold here, it is both connection and contribution. Like when you connect to other people, man, that feels good. Being missed, right? That's, a, that's an evidence of connection. When, when somebody's like, man, I miss seeing you. I miss your presence in my life. You're connected to that person. But it's more than that. It's also contribution. We are designed by God not just to receive, but also to give who he's made us to be, to give our spiritual gifts away to the people around us. There are infinity barriers to that kind of belonging in your life and in my life. Infinity. But I think the two greatest lies that you and I believe that keep us from belonging are twofold. One, I'm not wanted, and two, I'm not needed. Like you walk into church and you see the groups of people are already talking. There's not room for one more. They don't really want me here. Can I just go ahead and just call that out for what it is right now? That's a lie from the pit of hell that is trying to keep you isolated and distracted. That's not your friend talking to you in that moment. The other lie, I'm not needed, right? It says, oh gosh, they already have somebody who's gifted in that way. I see him up on platform. They already have a drummer. They already have whatever. And you're going, there's no room for me. God brought you here on purpose. You see, my friends, Jesus invites us into a supernatural kind of belonging in church membership. I want you to hear this. This is a good news from on high. From Jesus himself, you belong. You belong to him and to his people. And get this, if you don't belong yet, like if you are not yet submitted to Jesus as Lord and you're standing on the outside going, man, I see this closeness and this camaraderie and I want to belong to it. The good news is that one of the main gifts of the gospel is that you can belong today. You can belong today. It's beautiful. The main point of this text, we're going we're gonna to work through what does this look like and what does this mean? Here's the main point if you're a note taker. God arranges diverse members to build unified churches. That's what today's text is going to teach us. So if you're wondering, what does this look like for me? I think the text is actually going to help us today. Um, point number one, God gives diverse gifts. Gives diverse gifts. Will you look back with me at verse 11? It says, all these, that's spiritual gifts, are empowered by one and the same spirit 
who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Now, I want you to notice here, Paul has just been talking before this about numerous spiritual gifts, all of them that you can imagine. Um, discernment, prophecy, on and on and on. Gifts of healing. If you look up in that uh, previous paragraph, you'll see all these gifts that he's talking about. We'll talk even more specifically about these gifts at some point in the future. But, but what I want you to notice here today is that um, these spiritual gifts are empowered by one in the same spirit who apportions to each one as he individually will. So um, here's this, I don't want you to miss this principle. The, The way you are gifted and wired by God is a direct choice of God the Holy Spirit. The spiritual gifts that you have been given is God himself joyfully saying, I wanna give this gift to this person and that gift is gonna go through that person to the people around them. He did that, that was, his intention, and he is literally orchestrating all the spiritual gifts of every Christian in every church to fit together sort of like a mosaic, where when all the pieces fit and you back up, all of a sudden the face and beauty and glory of Jesus becomes a little more clear. That's a powerful thing. Can we just brag on the Spirit of God for a minute? Have, has anyone, have you ever managed employees in your work or schedule? Have you tried to get lunch with another person, right? When you start coordinating schedules and desires and availabilities, it becomes um, in, in your 30s. Uh, there's a comedian I like who has a bit where he basically says like, we say, hey, we should get lunch at t- sometime. And then we try and it doesn't work out. And then we just never do it. We're just, we just give up, right? Um, When you experience that, you know how difficult it is to orchestrate all of those things. Now, I want you to imagine for a moment doing that for the entire global church in all places for all times. He's doing that. He's doing it here. He's orchestrating the gifts and the makeups and the the people who are part of this church. It's a specific apportionment. It's a specific divvying out. He is in this. The Spirit of God is doing this for the good of the whole church. That's a beautiful thing. Look on with me in verse 12. It says, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members are of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and we are all made to drink of one spirit. So I want you to notice something from these verses, my friends. The diversity of gifts, the diversity of um, supernatural abilities from on high, it's by design. It's specific. In other words, this is, this is not a problem to be solved to say, oh, how are we going to get all these diverse gifts to work? No, no, no. It is actually a solution from on high to be welcomed. That where we see diverse gifts, we should go, yeah, 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 God is bringing those for the good of the church. See, we tend to view different gifts or different emphases as competition rather than as what it is, a gift of God. We start looking at gifts and going like, man, I feel like that person's more gifted than me, or, or man, that emphasis is too much. Here's the thing, if you're spiritually gifted in something, you probably feel like it's the most important thing in the universe. And that's good. 
God gave you that sense of burden and that sense of purpose. Guess what? Everybody else in the room, Lord willing, if they're leaning into this, has that same sense of burden. And when we all show up, instead of going, no, this, no, this, no, this, no, this, no, no, no. If we all go, yes, I want you to care about that deeply. And I want me to carry about my thing deeply. And we all carry that together. The mosaic gets a little clearer and a little clearer and a little clearer. How is that even possible? Gosh, have you ever tried to have diverse giftings put together? You tried this at work? or uh, the, uh, the beloved group project. Anybody else ever carry a group project uphill on your own back? You're like, we got an A, I got an A. Oh. This is hard. How in the world is this possible? The text tells us how this is possible among the people of God. These diverse gifts share an origin point. They come from one spirit. How can all these diverse gifts fit together? One spirit. If you are a Christian, you are baptized into the Holy Spirit. You know that, Christian? The Holy Spirit of God resides inside of you. He has saved you from your sins. He has um, taken the work of Jesus. He's caused your heart to believe the, the good news of the gospel. And get this, he has gifted you for a specific work. He's gifted you for a, a purpose, to serve others. I want you to think about this for just a moment. Wrap your mind around this. Not only did, did he come and save you, specifically gifted you, then he specifically brought you to Champaign-Urbana. How many of you have faced a decision in your life where you could have gone here or you could have gone there, and for whatever reason you went left instead of right? That is designed by God. He is in that. He brought you specifically to Champaign-Urbana, and then at another fork in the road, he specifically brought you here to New City. Why did he do that? Get this. Because this church needed a you. That's amazing. How dignifying. I mean, does God owe us to, like, let us in on the party? He doesn't. But what does he do? He apportions these gifts so that we get to be part of building up the body of Christ. It's a beautiful thing. Friend, your wisdom gift, somebody else in this room needs it. Your discernment, somebody else needs it. Your teaching gift, somebody else needs it. Your ability to speak um, prophetically or words that clarify God's truth and encourage another person, that's needed. Your skills and passions, your ability to help and come alongside to serve the common good, that gift is needed. See, you walked in here thinking, and we're all wired this way, so I'm not, I'm not throwing shade at you going, is, is this church going to meet my needs or is that church going to meet my needs? And Jesus is saying, whatever church you pick, you're actually going to meet each other's needs. Connection and contribution. Both of those things are true. And some of you right now, you're hearing, okay, gifted us specifically, brought us specifically, called us specifically, contributing specifically. You still think I'm not talking to you. Like you're still going like, yeah, yeah, I can see that. Like in you, right? You're up there teaching or somebody who's leading worship or very good or somebody who's like really wise and good at counseling, but you're still missing the point. 
I am talking to you. If you can hear me right now, these words are from you. You gotta stop thinking, man, I don't have any of the cool kit, cool gifts. I don't have a cool one or a weird one. I ended up with just like a, mi- a medium one. <laughs> if that's you, can I invite you this morning to stop diminishing the specific work of God in your life? You are belittling a deposit from the Holy Spirit in your life, and you gotta stop ragging on his good work. He did it on purpose. Receive it as a gift. Can I also tell you this morning what that means with all these diverse pieces of gifting working together? Nobody in this church is most important. I need to say that again. Nobody in this church is most important. And I know that there's a good number of you in the room right now going, that's easy for you to say, you have a face microphone on. (laughs) (laughs) My gifts are one part of a diverse puzzle. One part. You got a part. Around here, it's not me or you, it's we. We are a we, that's how God has built it. And and some of you friends, you are sitting in an action with the gifts that God has given you. You're sitting on the sidelines out of fear or false humility or whatever you wanna call it, going, man, I'm, I'm not needed or I'm not wanted here or my gifts don't really fit here. Your alarm is going off just in case you missed it. It's all good, it's all good. (laughs) However you are gifted, you are being called by God to bring that gift into the mix. And you holding your gift for yourself and sitting on the sidelines, whether that's this church or another healthy one that you join, is sinful. Stop holding the deposit of the Spirit, not giving it to other people. God gives diverse gifts. That's point number one. But point number two, here's, here's the good thing. Because if he, just, if he just gives diverse gifts, we're looking for all kinds of trouble and problems, right? And we're going to have them, right? We're people. So, but here's the good news. He unites diverse gifts. He unites them. He puts them together. Read with me in the text in verse 14. It says, For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. There it is, the we. If the foot should say, Because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing? Where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. Many parts, yet one body. I'm going to tell you something obvious, but I want you to track with Paul's image right here of the body. Ears are bad 
at seeing. Like, go ahead. I want you to. I want you to close. I'm seeing some nods, right? You're tracking with this. You're remembering it. I want you to close your eyes for a second. Try to see through your ears. How's it going? If if it's going well, we're gonna call the police because that's not supposed to happen, right? I don't know what's going on, but we need the paramedics and we need them fast. Now, now, here's the thing. Uh, ears are bad at seeing. You know what eyes are bad at doing? They're bad at hearing. Go ahead, cl- plug your ears and try to listen to what I'm saying. How's it going? Are the words getting clearer and more, okay, not going good, right? Not going good. Those that, an eye isn't designed to hear and an ear isn't designed to see. That's not how they've been wired by God. Now, I want you to imagine for a moment, realizing that your ears couldn't see and chopping your ear off of your body. What a waste, right? What a waste. Why would you look at an ear, this beautiful instrument that's been given by God for a specific purpose, and then resent it because it's not doing another function? Get this, it wasn't designed to function that way. It's a different thing. See, what this means for us, friends, what Paul is getting at in this whole metaphor right here is that we cannot compare our weaknesses to the strengths of others. We can't compare the gift of one person to a gift that we don't possess. It's not a fair comparison. It's not honest. Like some of you, you might have been around for a while and you go like, man, I'm, I'm just... I'm not a good teacher. I, w- I want to be a teacher. I want to have a teaching gift. But I, like I went to Next City and I heard Noelle teaching those students in there. And she's really good at that. I just don't have anything to offer right here. Or um, maybe you're like me and uh, my friend Raphael who plays guitar up here a lot. He's a, I call him Brazilian thunder because he's just, he's, he is Brazilian, but he's also a very good guitar player. He just makes me want to burn my guitar, right? When I'm done watching him play guitar. That's not what spiritual gifts are meant to do. Like a spiritual gift is not meant you to look at, oh, there's a teaching gift, and to feel diminished and insecure. That kind of perspective is what leads to disunity. And you start doing this like one-upsmanship thing in the life of the church. Another name for this kind of disunity is what we might call spiritual insecurity, right? You start looking at the strength of another person and you're comparing it to something you're weak in and that isn't a real comparison. Can I invite you this morning, if you have been gifted by God as a foot, look at me, don't miss this, be a foot. Be a foot. Don't begrudge it. First Peter actually would go on to say that um, you are, in receiving a spiritual gift, a steward of God's varied grace. Like the way God has gifted you is one of the unique ways that you get to experience the power of his grace in a way that's special, a way that's unique to you. That's a beautiful thing. God the Holy Spirit has literally given you this gift. It's beautiful. So the first temptation for us that causes disunity, it's the temptation to say, I don't belong here. 
I don't fit. I'm not as valuable as these other gifts. But there's another temptation here that Paul identifies for us in verse 21 when he says, the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. That phrase, I have no need of you, in the Christian West, this one is as easy for us as breathing. In other cultures, they are far more communal. They see the, the value of the interconnectedness much more easily than we do in a, in a sort of what you might call a rugged individualist society. And so very quickly, because we feel like we should be independent on our own, we can dismiss the gifts of others because they may seem weak or small or simple. And you look at them and you go, I don't need that. I'm good without that. You're not. You're not. You're not good without it. In God's design, in uh, verse 22, Paul goes on to say that these kinds of gifts that we perceive as weak, the ones we look at and go, I don't really need that in my life, he calls them indispensable. That's essential. There's a question that, that bothers me that I think about more than I care to even admit. It's this thing. How did they figure out that the human body could work without an appendix? Who was first, right? Like, oh, this guy's appendix is in bad shape. What if we just cut it out and just see how he does? <laughs> I mean, it seems bad to take something out that was there. Let's try it. Cut the appendix out and a few hours later, it's like, Okay, I guess this is what we do now. Appendix goes bad, we just take the appendix out. We start to realize that the appendix doesn't serve a vital function to the operation of the body. And so we can say rightly of the appendix, I have no need of you. Not so in the body of Christ. There is no gift that is a spiritual appendix. There's no gift that isn't indispensable to the work of the church. Here's, here's this. You can't remove something without consequence. That means if this is your church and you are not bringing your spiritual gifts to bear in the lives of other people, there's consequence there. And not just for you, it's for the people around you. Like God brought you to encourage that person next to you, to bear their burdens, to walk alongside them, to offer them teaching or clarity or help or hope, whatever your gifting is. Every part matters. Will you just hear what the Bible just said to you for a second, New City? This is unbelievably dignifying from your father. You matter. And not in this trite cultural sense, but in this deep, real sense. Your, your suspicion that you aren't needed is confirmed exactly for what it is, a lie. You have been gifted follower of Jesus for particular good works. You show up, you're doing something that's gonna matter forever for the glory of our King. Look how Paul goes on to talk about this in verse 22. He says, on the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. 
And our unpresentable parts, which are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it. Okay, let's stop there for just a moment. Paul is comparing the seeming weakness of certain gifts or the seeming smallness with the private areas of the body that we treat with greater modesty, right? There are areas of our bodies that we intentionally keep covered, not because they're invaluable, but because they're sacred, right? Because we, we cover them because they matter. But then there are other areas of the body that don't require that same kind of covering, right? Now, there's, there's cultural things with dress and with covering that we can certainly address here. And Paul's context is even different than our own context, but the, the principle remains, right? Um, some gifts are more naturally forward and external facing, right? A, t- a teaching gift like the gift I'm bringing to bear for you today is more of a public facing gift, right? That one is a place of the body that doesn't need covering. Um, but there are other gifts in the church that are more behind the scenes gifts. They're more one-on-one gifts. They're smaller context sort of a gifts. And if we were to put them up here, it would cause them to be dishonored. It's not what they were made for, right? Like we cover certain regions of our body, but then there are other regions we don't cover, right? Um, it's like the, the, the biceps and the private areas are not equivalent. Sun's out, gun's out. Go ahead, put the, put the arms out. <laughs> Here's what Paul is teaching us. Gifts, spiritual gifts, are to be treated equally and equitably, but hear me, not the same. Not the same. They should be used and honored for what they are, but not treated exactly the same. Like I want you to imagine for a moment, if you walked in the room today and I I walked up and I was like, man, shoot, I forgot I have a dentist appointment at 1115, forgot about the second service. I need you to get up and preach the sermon. Would you mind doing that? And preaching isn't your gift. And you get up there and because you like me or because you want to help the church or whatever, and you get up here and you have a horrible experience and you are nervous and crushed internally. And the rest of the church is going like, I don't know what this guy is even talking, like what are, what's he even talking about? That would be a terrible experience for everybody, wouldn't it? That would be dishonoring the contribution that that person brings you don't have to bring the same contribution at everybody else. Gifts should be honored, and we do so by treating them differently, allowing different contexts for the expressions of those gifts. Now, this is a beautiful thing. Like, I think this is one of the ways that we actually taste heaven on this side of earth, is when we get to experience walking in the thing that God has made us to do. Oh, it's so good. There's this, uh, there's this old movie called Chariots of Fire. Has anybody seen Chariots of Fire? It's, just, it's a great flick. It's a classic movie, but it's about this guy basically deciding between will I become this Olympic runner or will I become a missionary overseas? And at one point, there's this great line where he says, he's like, I know being a missionary is a noble calling, but God made me fast. And when I run fast, I feel his pleasure. 
like that hand and glove sort of a fit, oh, it's a beautiful thing. Why does God want us to be a church who helps one another experience as much of that hand and glove sort of a fit as possible? He tells us in the next verses a couple of reasons. Number, look at verse 25, he says, that, so that, we, we give greater honor, so that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. Did you catch that? The reason we fight to help each other walk in that hand and glove sort of a fit is to keep us from division. Isn't that a bit ironic that... Um, that treating every gift the same would cause division and not connection. Like, it, it sounds good on, on the surface, right? Just treat everybody the same, but right, no, everybody's not the same. And that's okay. That's not a problem to be solved. That is an, a solution from God on high. Allowing for that hand and glove sort of a fit with our spiritual gifts keeps us from dividing between one another. And then he goes on to say, so that the members may have the same care for one another. This is one of the ways we care for each other. Do you know when somebody comes, let's, let's say I can think of multiple examples of people saying like, hey, I've been serving in this capacity for a long time because there's an obvious need here, but I feel like I'm sort of short-circuiting. Like, I don't think that this is actually me operating out of the gift that I have. And I want you to hear me. There are times when using your spiritual gifts, it's not going to feel fun. It's not going to feel pleasant. It's going to hurt. It's going to be difficult. Sometimes we have to persevere through difficult seasons. That's absolutely true. So don't hear what I'm not saying. But when somebody comes to me and says that, and I look at them and say, well, who's going to cover the spot? Who's gonna do it? You know what I'm doing? I'm robbing them of the joy of the specific contribution that they bring. And two, I am trying to keep the vacuum plugged and making no space for the Spirit of God to show up. Like y'all, if you were to look around the inner workings of New City, you would find holes that there's a vacuum rushing through and there are seasons of my life when I would have gone, whatever we have to do to fill the vacuum, just get it filled. But I think the invitation from this text for us is like, no, we need to fill the vacuum together because God might just be bringing us an arm that's supposed to hold that tension. You don't have to carry everything. You just have to carry your part. And if everybody does that, Oh my gosh, that's a life-giving church culture. That's a church that anybody can grow in. It's a beautiful thing. And so I wanna, I wanna give you permission to ask a couple of questions here. If you are a member of New City or you are a regular attender and you wanna contribute to the life of this church, here's a question. How do we help every person thrive in using their spiritual gifts? How do we help every person thrive? Like our general attitude toward one another, friends, should be when you're, when you're meeting a person, you're with that person, you should be asking, where do I see God at work in this person? Like where do I see spiritual gifts in them? And get this, call it out. Yeah. 
Call it out. Do, do you know how many churches I would have planted if there wouldn't have been somebody in my life who said, Nick, I see this gifting in your life. I see this calling on your life. Goose egg. This calling, me walking in it, required somebody else pointing to what the Spirit of God was doing in my life. You get to be part of his work when you show up to a relationship and say, hey, I see God at work in your life. Here's how we say this around New City. Here's where I see Christ in you. I just see his patience. I see his listening. Could, could you be gifted as like a counselor? Like, is that part of your gift, your contribution? We just got to normalize talking to and about one another that way. It's got to be normal. And when you see those spiritual gifts, get this, we are so hardwired to say, where do I fit? Where do I fit? Where do I fit? If we become the kind of people that more and more we're going, where do they fit? Where do they fit? Where do they fit? You know what happens? We all get to walk in the power of these gifts. That's really cool. It's really cool. Uh, Band, you go ahead and come up. Inevitably, when we become this kind of church and you're pointing out a strength in a person, I want you to know this, when you're pointing out a strength or a gift in somebody else, you are often going to see the other side of the coin, which is the opposite of their gifting, which is a real weakness. So at the same time you're pointing out a strength, you're going to be aware of a weakness in this person's life. And the invitation of the gospel of Jesus is to be a weakness and shame-covering kind of a people. Don't you know what Jesus has done in your salvation? He took all of your sin and all of your shame, all of your shortcomings, and the places that you have not measured up, the places that you willfully disobeyed what his word says all of those places. He took your shame and he took your sin and your struggle and your suffering and he covered it with his blood. See, I think even the last couple of weeks, like, like I'm, I have some gifts, but I have some major weaknesses. Like I, I, I have teaching gift, like encouragement or exhortation, that's a gift. But listen, like administration, as much as I wish that it was, it just ain't my gift. And if you've texted me, you know it's not my gift. And goodness, if I don't at least once a week beat myself up and say, wouldn't New City be so much better off with somebody who had this gift? And can I tell you this morning that because of our king, that question of somebody else could be better at this is officially an irrelevant question. Would somebody else be better at this specific thing than I would? A hundred percent. But guess who God has called here right now? Me. The sovereign God of the universe chose to put a me here. I want you to hear this. He chose to put a you here. And get this, just, just last week, I have a friend, Jason, who's been part of our church for a little bit now. Jason met with me and he said, hey, I am really gifted at administration and ordering tasks and organizing and stuff. I would really love to help you and I would love to help our church get better at this kind of thing. That's called covering a weakness. 
right? You don't see a weakness and exploit it or get angry that there's a weakness. No, no, no. Instead, you see a weakness and guess what? You use your gifts to cover the weakness. That's the heart of the gospel. A shame covering, sin crushing glory that we get to participate in as the people of God. There's some of you in the room today, you have skills, right? You have skills, you, have, you know how to do some stuff really well, but you don't yet have a spiritual gift because you don't yet belong to Jesus. And I want you to know that today, hear this invitation from God himself, today is the day of salvation. Repent and believe the gospel. Stop trying to tip the scales of heaven in your favor and instead trust in the finished work of Christ. If you believe that, if you believe that Jesus is the only one who can save you and you can't save yourself, you will be saved. Believe the gospel today. Receive the resurrection power of Christ and guess what? He will gift you by his spirit for good works. If that's you, um, during the last songs, I'm gonna be in the back. Some friends who are prayer counselors are gonna be back there. We'd love to pray with you, process with you what God is doing in your life. There are others of us in the room today who uh, you need to believe afresh that when he saved you, he actually did gift you. Like some of you think you don't have a contribution and I can promise you from the authority of the book that you are gifted and you have a gift, you have a contribution, you may just not know what it is. These are the things we help one another discern. Like go in the back, talk to somebody, ask them to pray over you for the spirit to give some insight here. And then finally, friends, there may be a group of you in the room and you've been avoiding actually covenanting in membership here or at another healthy church because you like, for whatever reason, right? It's like, maybe you saw it go bad or maybe you're just like that. I just don't like labels, right? Why do I have to have a label kind of a thing? I wanna invite you today to jump in. Now hear me say, we like this church and we'd love for you to jump into this one. But if it's not New City, find a healthy church that's actually preaching the gospel and join it. Join its, mess, its mission. It's time to jump in. If you wanna become a member here, I just want you to know what the process looks like. One, newcomer's lunch, that's your first step. That's happening next weekend. Um, and then um, that's where you find out all the mission and vision and all that stuff. Step two is what we call next steps. And next steps is also next Sunday. Um, so you can, in the evening, that's where you can find out how do I build a life of disciple making? How do I follow Jesus's mission for my life? After that, you have a membership interview with one of our pastors. This is not to see if you are good enough or cool enough or smart enough to become a church member. This is just to say, does this person belong to Jesus? Has this person been baptized since they believe the gospel? Okay, how can I pray for you and be a good pastor to you and encourage you and get to hear some of our story as well? And then finally, next time we have a family gathering, that's what we call our members meetings. You are voted in to the celebration of the other members and we truck on to saturate the city in the gospel together. That's the membership process here at New City. I wanna finish with a question. 
Let me say one more thing there. If you want to become a member, fill out that digital connection card. Let us know. We will follow up with you and walk you through that process. But last, last thing, what might God do if every member of New City showed up in full obedience to Jesus with their spiritual gifts? Like if all of us stopped keeping them on the sidelines, but we actually brought the contribution and we brought our need Right, You may have a need that this longing of your heart that's gone unmet for so long and God's like, yeah, but I, I brought this other person who's meant to speak into that and help that and sure that up. You bring your whole self to church and just let's watch what God does in our, in our church and far beyond the walls of our church. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the gifts. Isn't that the first thing to say when we get a gift? Thank you. We're grateful. Holy Spirit, will you do your good work in the room today? Wherever people are at, will you meet us afresh? Will you, will you push us toward obedience today? Will you help us to experience the love of the sin and shame-covering gospel afresh today? Do your work, we pray it in Jesus' name, amen. Friends, we want to invite you to respond to God's word today. Don't just hear it and leave. Respond to it. Number, number one, reflect. What was God speaking to you during this time? What was sticking out to you and catching you? Where can, um, is there a new truth he's calling you to believe or a promise that you, you need to receive or a command that you need to obey? How is he calling you to respond? If you need help figuring out, I know he's calling me to respond, but I just don't know how. Just meet one of us in the back. We'd love to pray for you, encourage you, come alongside you. And second way we respond, my friends, is by remembering the Lord's death. Here at the front, you got two stations, one where you'll find broken bread that represents the broken body of our Savior and a cup that represents the, the shed blood of our King. When you come up here, you are going to take the bread and just dip it very gently. If you've hit your fingers, you've gone too far. That's my, my rule of thumb. You're going to dip that in the cup. And when you take this, you're going to remember that the gifts of the Spirit coming to us came at a great cost to our Savior. And so when you come to the table, thank Jesus for his blood. Thank him for his death and resurrection. If you're a follower of Jesus, you are welcome at the table today. And if you're not yet a follower of Jesus, I just invite you to reflect during this time. Ask the person who brought you, why'd you take that meal? What does that mean to you? And then finally, my friends, we rehearse the coming kingdom. See, here's the cool last thing about spiritual gifts I wanna share. They've got an expiration date. Like a day is coming when Jesus has made all things right and made all things well, when he will be with us and we will get to gather around him worshiping for all of eternity. And everything that was made evident in the spiritual gifts will be evident in him. That day's coming. And so we're gonna sing like that day's true right now. I want you to sing like the battle's already won because it is. I love you. I love being your pastor. Respond when you're ready.